welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Well, come on, if you've got your Bibles, we are going to do a bit of reading today. I want you to, um, we're going to read two big slabs of Scripture this morning, Hebrews chapter 10. Um, you can go to verse 1, and we're also in a moment going to read uh, from Romans chapter 5, so just prepare yourself for that. Open two tabs in your, in your phone, or if you've got an old school Bible, try and put one finger in it and use it as a bookmark, or use one of those sweet ribbon things, but we're going to read um, in just a moment um, some of those things. But let's just set, this, set these thoughts up of where I want to go. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke a message about are really around identity, and that's where I want to go today. I want to, today is kind of going to be part two. If you haven't listened to that, jump onto all the streaming platforms. It's there available for you, iTunes, Spotify, etc., and, um, and have a listen to that message. But for those of you that weren't there, I do want to quickly go over a few uh, points, just a brief summary of that message. Because one of the things that I've discovered in life is that, and in my walk with Jesus, is... Um, that immaturity in the things of God causes me to live out of the here and now, out of the moment, circumstantially is probably the right word. But when I become mature and I have a closer walk with the Lord, and I've done this for a little while, I less walk out of what's happening in the immediate and more walk out of the identity and the position that Jesus has purchased for me. Now, I do want to say I have not arrived at something that we, I journey with on a daily basis. But I do want to encourage you that a part of our maturing in the things of God is that we stop living our faith out circumstantially through the areas of our mind, our will, our emotions, our uh, is life going well? Do we feel good? Do we have the right amount of energy today? Is the it was the coffee? Was that espresso double espresso I had this morning on point or not? That's determining whether my whether my walk with Jesus is going to go well today. The songs were good today, so therefore I really felt the presence of Jesus. No, I'm asking us to go a little bit deeper in our faith so that we can actually be the kingdom of God in the world. So that we can stop being Christians in a building and calling that church. So that we can actually mature and, and reflect the image and person of Jesus everywhere that we go. And in order to do so, we must grow in our understanding of who we are. And in order to grow in our understanding of who we are, we must understand the 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 um, we must understand the fullness, the depth, and the breadth of what Jesus has done for us. And whilst this is Christianity 101, and it's really simple and basic, often we get caught up in all the other stuff because we're tethered to a religious and worldly understanding of how uh, we are to relate to God. And to be honest with you, most of it is based in the law. Most of it is based in religious thinking rather than in grace thinking. So today I want to talk to you about identity. See, religion told you that you were a, uh, that you're a sinner just saved by grace. But the good news doesn't tell you that you're a sinner saved by grace. The good news, the message of Jesus actually tells you the gospel is about understanding, not, not understanding you're a sinner saved by grace. Now, please hear my heart here. We, this isn't a greasy grace message where we can just go and live the way we want and just be like, well, it's under grace, brother. You know, praise the Lord, hallelujah, bless God. No, this is around understanding that the Holy Spirit convicts sin. 
The Holy Spirit, in fact, grace, I believe, a big part of grace is the empowerment to overcome sin and to live the way that Jesus wants us to live. And so this isn't excusing sin in anyone, but this is around us shifting our mentality so that when as fallen humans, as people that have, are born into the nature of sin, like the Bible teaches us, right? This is about understanding that, that when things happen in life, we are connected and anchored in a God consciousness in a Jesus consciousness more than we are a death consciousness or a sin consciousness. And so the religion told you that you're a sinner and they put your identity as a sinner. But I want to challenge that this morning and I want to put out the idea that you're, you weren't actually a sinner, you were actually a saint. You're actually a saint. You're actually a child of God. See, redemption doesn't work. Exchange doesn't work. See, um, we were, we, before Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis, we'll read in a moment, don't worry. Um, we, were, we, were, we were in right standing with God. We had access to the Father. Genesis tells us how, we had, how Adam and Eve had relationship with God. And it was beautiful. It was wonderful. There was complete freedom. There was complete access. There was no striving. There was nothing like that. And so... Uh, I think you would agree with me this morning that there was right standing with God then. And then sin enters the world, the sin equation. And Adam's sin was, remember, Adam's sin was not lying. It was not breaking one of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments didn't exist for thousands of years later. Adam didn't break one of those laws because they did not exist. In fact, everyone, listen to this, everyone up until Moses, none of them broke the law because the law didn't exist. That's why for Abraham, who we established a few weeks ago, he lied about his wife being his sister and all those sorts of things. But then we fast forward to the book of Hebrews and we begin to see that, that it was accounted to him as righteousness simply because he believed. Not because he earned it, not because he deserved it, anything like that, but because he believed that we're in right standing. Religion told you that your identity was locked into being a sinner, but redemption and the work of Jesus actually refutes and argues against that point of view. It actually says, no, that you're a saint and you're actually corrupted by sin. And so coming back to the original person that God created you to be is more in line with the perfection of Jesus than it is with the sinfulness of Adam. So I want to rewire that this morning and I want, I want you to be challenged with that thinking because you've been told for so long that you're actually a sinner, you're actually a sinner and by the grace of God you become a saint. But I want to tell you this morning, I want you to rewire, rewire that thinking and I want you to anchor deep down inside of who you are that you are a child of God. That your identity is not, is, is divine. Within your DNA is coded inside of it, divinity. Now, I'm not saying you're Jesus. I'm just saying because of Jesus now, we have a way to live out that God-created identity as someone that lives in right standing with God. The gospel is about understanding that. In fact, this is what the New Testament writers believed. Can we go on a quick, this, we're not even to the scriptures yet, but this is going to be so fun. Because I started thinking about it. Well, who did Paul, who did Peter, who did the New Testament church actually believe about who the church is? So listen to this. So if you don't know, you've got, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, right? They're called the Gospels. They're basically a biography of Jesus' life written by those authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. The book of Acts is written as, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. Really, it should be maybe called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the church. And he's doing amazing things, right? And Acts is really about the, it's, a, it's an account of the early church. Doctor, the same author as the Gospel of Luke, Luke wrote the book of Acts. And then we get to 
um, after Acts, you get to Romans, you get to these letters that uh, significant church leaders of the first century Jewish church were writing to different parts of the church. So much transformation is happening in the world at this point in time, in the church, uh, in in in. Uh, what it means to be a follower and a child of God. So much is happening. But I want to show you just really quickly, we're going to skip through the Bible just a little bit. Just look, look, at, look at who Paul thought he was writing to, okay? We're just going to do this really quickly. Romans chapter 1, verse 7 says, To all who are in Rome, all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. So Paul's writing to the saints, Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, to the, uh, chapter 1, verse 2. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, those who are sanctified, that's a nice Christian word for saying, you've been set apart. You've got a different identity now, set up, sanctified in Jesus Christ, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of the Lord. So how, where are you a saint? Are you a saint in church? No. Well, yes, but not only. Are you a saint in your workplace? Yes, it says everywhere. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Keep going. To the church, this is verse number 1. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in some place that I can't pronounce. Let's keep going, shall we? We shall. Good idea, Matt. Don't mind if I do. Paul, an apostle, Galatians, where are you? Come at me. Grace to the churches of Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present age according to the will of God our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. And I'll skip, skip over that one. He's, he's basically saying you're the church of Jesus and he gave himself for you. Your sins are not imputed to you any longer. Ephesians chapter 1, the, his messaging gets stronger. Listen to this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace be to you. I'm trying to help you see today that the biblical authors, those that penned the epistles specifically, the letters to the churches, were trying to shift an identity that I want to try and also shift today. They were trying to shift an identity in people, in a church, in a group of people that are so bound by religion, so bound by working, so bound by performing, so bound by striving, that as a result, what happens when they live out of that striving religious identity, they end up thinking they need to perform for God, right? They end up thinking they're performing for God rather than working with God. And so that's what I want to break down to you today. So let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number one. You ready? I'm glad you're ready because I've got five more things to say before we get there. I forgot. That's where I started. But these are, the five, these are the five things that we said about the finished work of Jesus. I want you to write these down. We're not going to go, we're not going to, um, I'll give you a quick definition, um, but go back to the last one because we broke them down a little bit more. Five things that Jesus did. If you took notes a couple of weeks ago, you don't need to today. But remember, this is for you, okay? Make the most of it. Open up your heart. Open up your notebooks. Open up your mind. Let the Lord speak to you. This is what, um, one, one of the five things that Jesus did through the death, burial, and resurrection is a theological word that we call expiation. And expiation means the removal of our sin and guilt. Christ's death removes or expiates our sin and guilt. The guilt of our sin was taken away from us and placed on Christ. And that's where we went last week, remember? If I be lifted up, I will draw all judgment to myself. So Jesus took all the judgment that was due to him. The second thing that Jesus accomplished on the cross. So he's, we're talking about what Jesus did, but we're also talking about now what it means for you, okay? Propitiation. This, uh, where 
expiation refers to the removal of our sins. Propitiation refers to the removal of God's wrath or wrath. The third thing is reconciliation. Expiation refers to the removal of our sins. Propitiation refers to the removal of God's wrath. Reconciliation refers to the removal of our separation or alienation from God. One of the biggest downfalls of sin, and we see this in the book of Genesis chapter 3, okay? Lean into me this morning, get with me. One of the things that we see, what's one of the greatest, what's probably arguably the biggest thing that happens is God shuts down the garden and he puts an angel outside the Garden of Eden and he says, what, what, what is the Garden of Eden? The Garden of Eden is the, the home in which humankind connect with God. God says that, that is now limited, right? Because sin and God can't coexist in the same place. And so a very significant thing to understand is that Uh, We were separated from God because of sin, because He is a holy God. And you know how we've, and so what God can't be a holy God, man, He can't be with sinners. Because the two things, and religion has taught us, religion has taught us, and I'm so sorry that you've been taught this, but religion has taught us, right, Religion has taught us that God somehow is lesser, that sin is somehow more powerful than God. But the truth is we see this in the person and the life of Jesus. That Jesus, one of the things the religious people hated about him most is that he hung out with sinners. What do you mean you're healing a prostitute? Why did he do that? Because saints see the divine DNA in every single person, no matter how broken we may see that we may think that they are. God sees them in their redeemed, reconciled state. So that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died and gave himself for not the prostitute, not the the drug addict or not the lowest person in society that your mind goes to, God gave himself for us. The church, we are those people. (laughs) And the good news of Jesus, the gospel says that we have been reconciled back to the Father. The garden has been reversed. The doors are open. You now have access to the Father. Number four, redemption. Our sins put us into captivity, which we needed to be delivered. And He redeemed us from three things. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13 tells us that. He redeemed us from the guilt of our sin. Romans 3.24 tells us that. And Christ redeemed us from the power of sin. 1 Peter 1.18 tells us that. And the last thing that the finished work of Jesus did is it put the powers of darkness underneath our feet. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The apostles wrote more about this with a death. Where is your sting? They weren't scared of death. Death had no power over them. And I believe sometimes why some uh, miracles happen to give glory to God. They're connected to giving glory to God. And so we must make sure that our motivation for receiving a miracle is glory for God. It's not just to live because my, my kids need a father. Oh, we're going deep. It's, that's, not, that's not the motivation. My kids do need a father. But death, and in fact, the resurrecting power of Jesus tells me that, you know what? God is their father. <laughs> and so my motivation for anything in the kingdom needs to, be, needs to be about the glory of Jesus. Hebrews 10, let's read. For the law, it's going to be on the screens. We're going to just break a few things about, out about this as we talk about you coming into in tune with your redeemed identity, okay? 
For the law, remember Hebrews is written. I will get to the scripture. Don't worry, we're nearly there. I've started about four times. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, we don't know the author. But what we do know is that we do know the audience. And the audience is the Jewish people, the Hebrew people. And when you read the book of Hebrews, you'll discover a lot of contrasting intentions between the people of God living from under the law, okay, living bound by the law. And you've got to remember that God's people, the Jews, added hundreds and hundreds of other laws into the Ten Commandments. And so they could, on the Sabbath, for example, they, they had these crazy laws where they couldn't um, move a broom in case dust moved because a certain amount of dust, if it, if it moved, then it meant that that was work and that was breaching the Sabbath and whole lot of whole lot of things, whole lot of things. And so uh, remember, this is the world that Hebrews is speaking to and this is the world that Jesus is really starting to transform. And I think if we're honest, we can, um, maybe not the, the Sabbath part, but I think that there are some things because we've been so anchored in a law-centered version of the gospel, I think that there are some things that we get trapped in that I want to show you today that there may be another more free way of living that's going to allow you to be the kingdom of God in the world and make an impact for his name. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come. So what was the law? The law was just a shadow of good things to come. And not the very image of things can never, um, can never with these same sacrifices, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. So what's it saying? It's saying the law of the Old Testament, the way of, of sacrifices, the way of coming to the temple once a year, having a priest, doing that whole thing, those could never actually do what the Jewish people needed them to do. For when they would have, uh, for, for then they would have ceased to be offered for the worshippers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. Look at that. I want you to underline that. No more consciousness of sins. No more consciousness of sins. There was no more consciousness for worshippers once purified. If the purification worked and made them right before God, it's telling us that they would have had no more consciousness of sins. Fascinating. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. So the very system that they had was sin-orientated. It was there to expose sin. Did you know, if you read on a little longer, did I write down the reference? Romans chapter 3, I didn't write the exact verse down, but if you read through Romans chapter 3, I believe it's the last verse of Romans chapter 3. Here we go, that was a good turn. It says in verse number 20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So sin, God brought the law to expose and to show us our sinful nature. Stick with me, don't, don't fall asleep yet. But in those sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year, for it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, this is Jesus, he said, sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. Now, Jesus is speaking of the fact that he was born to die on the cross. He was born to be the ultimate sin offering, okay? But a body you've prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I've come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings, offerings for sin you did not desire nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. 
Then he said, behold, I've come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. Takes away the first that he may establish the second. That by, uh, by that will, we have been sanctified. Everyone say sanctified. That word sanctified, when you see it, is generally the Greek word hagios. And it's a word that we translate immediately into holy. Holy. So you have been made holy. You've been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You've been sanctified, you've been made holy through the body and through the finished work of Jesus once for all, once for all. This is the good news of the gospel. Say, why is it such good news? It's good news because you are now free from yourself. It's good news because you are free. Why freedom from yourself is is important because you know yourself. And you know how much sin has had a hold on you. And you're free from yourself. You're free from so much more because of Jesus. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. But you're free. You're free now to be the person that God has called you to be. So what this means is is uh, the Bible's trying to show us that you are not uh, to be sin conscious anymore. But rather you are, instead of being sin conscious, your sin has been cancelled. The debt has been paid. Like there are so many things in Western Pentecostal churches we love to shout about, but we don't actually believe. And we love to shout about the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But then when we live our life and when we apply it to our calling and our destiny and whether we're going to enter into the presence of God, we think, well, He's the Lamb of God that that took away the sins of the world the other week because I was feeling good, but this week not so much. Because we live out of our feelings more than we live out of the finished work of Jesus. And so it's been done once and for all. Let's read this quickly because I want to read Romans 5 and then we'll wrap it up. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Isn't that like us? Aren't we, because of religion, trying to earn like somehow I need like Pastor Matt, you've got this special anointing and you've got this and you've got, you've just got more access to God. You've just, you're just this wonderful, special. I know, I'm just being honest. There are people that I've looked at uh, that I've been inspired by and I've been encouraged by and I've been, um, yes, yeah, certainly inspired by how God moves through them and how God uses them. But I think it's easy to equate that and take that over into this other works category where we start going, what are they doing that I'm not doing? How did they get there when I'm over here? How how have they got that? And we start putting everything in this realm of works and religion and the law instead of just understanding that God has settled your account once and for all through the finished work of Jesus. And you and I have got to refuse to live out of this works mentality, do, 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 pray the right prayers, wear the right clothes, pray, you know, uh, read the right amount of scriptures every day and just realise that Jesus' work, the work of Jesus has paid every price that there is possibly to pay. As a result, you and I either do have access to God or we do not. But when we live in the law, when we live in the law, what happens? When we live in the law, we go back to a pre-resurrected version of religion. And most of us, that's how we live. But the whole, where, where am I up to? Every piece standing. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. I love that. It speaks of completion. From that time, waiting till his present, uh, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering 
He was being made perfect forever, those who are being sanctified. That's really important. Remember how I got you to say sanctified before and we spoke about it? There it says you have been sanctified. Here it says you are being sanctified. And so this, the, the most annoying thing about being a follower of Jesus <laughs> is that the more you look at him, the more you want to be like him. And so where this whole conviction of sin thing comes into it, it doesn't come into it in the sense of like, Cal, you've been a bad boy. And so here's the, here's the pen. No, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And when you look at who Jesus is, there's a thing that comes up inside of me that just desires, I have this deep desire to want to be like him. And I recognise in wanting to be like him is wanting to live out the way that he did in honouring the Father by being obedient to the Father and not giving into the desires of the flesh and lust and sin. Instead, I want my heart, because of how good and how great and how gracious and how beautiful and how powerful and how awesome Jesus is, that I am inspired. I'm uh, the grace of God, the charis of God comes inside of me to want to live a holy life, to want to live this life that is pleasing to God. Not because religion is telling me if I don't do it, I don't have access to God and my prayers won't be answered, but because I have a love for Him that goes far beyond what I temporarily just want to feel and experience. That's where the motivation for holiness must come from. It must come from a love for Jesus. It cannot come from a desiring to be loved by Jesus. It's got to come from this place deep in your heart where you have a revelation that you are loved anyway. That's the good news. I don't want to keep saying it, but I love the scripture. While you were still a filthy sinner, while we were still yet sinners, Christ died and gave himself for us. See, no offering we bring as a new creation is for a thing to be done. So when we worship, right? So we're now talking about living out of our identity now. We're not doing things anymore. So we're not worshipping, we're not serving, we're not in church attendance, we're not bringing our tithes or giving or anything like that. For when, no, no offering we bring as a new creation in Jesus is for a thing to be done. It's brought for a done thing. It's not brought because we want something. To, if I just worship and fast and pray, then a miracle is going to happen. No, that's actually about us. That's actually about us trying to earn it. Instead, what we're trying to do, the reason why we're trying to, and we're continually submitting our lives to the person of Jesus, is because we want to, um, by his grace, lean into a, a done thing, not have a thing done. So, not worshiping for something to happen. We're not praying for God, do this. Do, you know, heal, do this, and we're, you know, we're praying those prayers, don't get me wrong. But we're not doing things, uh, the new creation, the, the person that's uh, righteousness conscious isn't trying to earn that. They're just trying to walk in that out of their new identity. All right, let's skip to Romans chapter five because I'm going too long. Romans chapter five, I'm gonna read it, the whole thing through a few verses and then we'll just wrap this up. Praise the Lord. I want you to see this. Romans is a masterpiece. Romans chapter 5, 6, 7. Oh my gosh. You just get lost in that for years. I've got this thick commentary on my um, desk at the moment in the book of Romans. And it's like, like Romans is like 10 pages in my Bible. This book is like this thick. Um, MJ had never seen a book that big. I said that's all written about these little 10 pages here. That's how much gold there is. This, is. this is just high theology right now. This is just absolutely beautiful. This is, if you get this, this is, is game-changing. See, what I'm going at this morning is I'm going at, this, I'm going at your mentality this morning. I'm going at your thinking this morning. 
I'm going at the part, the two parts of you that war against each other. One that's locked into the law. And the other one that is living out this true identity that Jesus paid a price for. Because we either, realistically, let's just, let's just think about this. We either live out of and we believe the fullness of what Jesus has done or we're going to keep coming back to this place of legalism and living out of the law. And so I'm coming at a mentality of those two things at war against each other because you've got to acknowledge that we live in a performance-orientated society. Our education system is based on performance. We are indoctrinated with sport. We honour those that perform at the highest level. And so we've idolised and we've been brought up in a culture that has worshipped performance. And we've said that we, we, we got, we've, we, <laughs> we've been intoxicated on things like hustle. That was a buzzword about five years ago. Everyone's just hustling, just going to hustle to make another dollar. If you're an entrepreneur, you'll know what that's all about. Just if I just work harder, then I'll get more. If I just work harder. And so deep with, entrenched within our thinking and how we do life is this basis of performing. And what is performing? Performing is, is essentially trying to earn through work value. And isn't that true? When we look at our jobs, a lot of the time we've been in relationships, maybe you have, where you felt you had to be a certain person to earn the right to be in that room. That's so not kingdom. And so we, we, we must first, when um, kind of wrestling with the Scriptures, we must first wrestle with our own world. And how does the Scripture inform and therefore transform the part of our thinking that has been deformed through the culture? And Romans 5 is about to just hit it on ahead. Therefore, having been justified by faith. How did it happen? Through works? Through performance? No, through faith. You haven't been justified by because you, you did all this good stuff. You've been justified just by faith. It's we actually make it so much more complicated. And so this is, the, this is the mentality I'm going at because if you work this out, what does justified mean? I heard a preacher once say it like this. It's just as if I'd never sinned. All right, I wrote that. That got a good response. I made that up. <laughs> it's just as, just as, just, now I can't even say it. Judgment. No, not really. Um, it's just as if I'd never sinned. That's how the Father sees us. And how have we been justified? By faith. What is faith? Faith is a belief in the finished work of Jesus. That it actually did what he said it would do. It actually did what the prophets prophesied for thousands of years would be done. Jesus actually fulfilled it. It's done. And so now this is the mentality I'm going at. When you're in a workplace and there's someone sick or there's a challenge or you're in the market and you're hoping right now that Matt would just finish this message quickly so the market's still open so I can get one of those really nice sausage hot dog things there from stall number 45. I don't know. I don't know what's going through your brain. But look, people are nudging people right now. I know what you think of it, but this is important because I want you to realise that when you walk through that market, right, just like when you walk through this altar space area at the front, there is no difference through God's lens. The difference is your faith. Listen to me, let me say it like this. The difference is your consciousness, either of your righteousness or your sinfulness. And you won't pray for someone to be healed in a public space if you are locked away by sin consciousness. 
if you're just aware of all the sins and all the things that have happened and all the things that you've done and all the things, rah, 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 rah. No, God's work is finished in your life. You can go pray for whoever, go and pray for the stall owner of 45 and realise and pray for the food too. I don't know what's in those sausages. Um, But when you're praying, you have the full authority of heaven on you. I want to suggest to you that you have more power. God's power is going to back you up more out there than He's going to back up your religious old prayer in here because this is comfort. This is boring. This is just, this is like just normal life, right? But being out there, come on. It's like when, when you pray that prayer, it's just, you're praying it from a position just as if you had not sinned. Wow. This is only verse one. I've got 20 verses to go. <laughs> Therefore, having been just, my wife's here, so she, and she knows I'm not joking. That's the thing. We've been justified by faith. We are peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. I want you to realise this righteousness is a position. It's a position. You have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. It's a position. So let's, let's um, just do a, a quick analogy, a quick kind of metaphor. My son is not in this room at the moment, but he has my surname, Right? And it doesn't matter where he goes. Doesn't matter what. He could go to someone's house for a play date after. His name doesn't change, right? Just because he's not in my presence. Just because I can't see him. Because his name is not something that he has just because he's, he's with me. His name is, is, is what it is because of his, because he's my child. Yeah, because he's my child. And so this is where we have to understand the theology of being born again. When we were born again, we took on the full identity, the name of Jesus. And so now, no matter where we go, we carry that authority with us, don't we? And so MJ's out there somewhere, and there's not much weight in it, but I'm using it as a metaphor. He has the weight, which is behind my name, to use. And doesn't matter where he is or what he does, just because he's not with me doesn't mean he's not a Ghana anymore. Because he didn't get being a Ghana. He got being a Ghana by being born into the family. And God wants you to know today, that you've been born into the family of Jesus. And so you carry the power of that name every place you go. So your righteousness, so I'm trying to help you to see that you are, be, have been placed in a position of righteousness. It's not conditional either. It's the righteousness has been purchased through the blood of Jesus. So you can't cancel this righteousness. Right, let's keep reading. I want to read this and then we'll finish. I won't interrupt myself anymore, I promise. <laughs> Verse number three, and we rejoice in the hope of glory. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For we scarcely, for scarcely, uh, uh, sorry, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. I've been saying this all morning. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, for... For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only that, but we also rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received 
the reconciliation. So I want you to see that your righteousness is a gift. You need to write that down. Righteousness is a gift. It's something that is given to you. It's a gift. You'll always be sin conscious and second questioning the authority you have in God if you don't realise that righteousness is a gift that you and I do not deserve, that we could not earn. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered. I'm coming to a close. Calv, get up on the keyboards, wrap me up. Sin into the world and, and death. Oh, there it is, I'm finishing. Just as through one man, listen to this, this is, this is huge. This honestly will, it will change your life. Therefore, just as though one man's sin entered the world and death through sin, okay? If sin had a surname, it would be death. That's why the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And the reason why we experience death on a daily basis is because of sin. We don't have time to open that up. That's another whole sermon that we'll unpack another time. The wages of sin is death, all right? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is about life. He redeemed you from the curse of the law. And we know that the, the results on the other end, the curse of the law is that you die. And through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. Thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but it was not imputed when there, there is no law. So it's saying sin was always there. Prior to the law, sin was always there. The Bible teaches us that God gave the law to the children of Israel to show them how sinful they were. Like you're going on a path that's out of control. And so I'm gonna give you a measuring stick. It's called the law for you to live your life according to until we wrap this thing up in Jesus, right? Right? Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over, uh, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was the type of him who was to come. But the free gift, there it is, is not like the offence. For if by one man's offence many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, capital M, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offence resulted in condemn, con, condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offences resulted in justification. For if by one man's offence death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as though one man's offence, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offence might abound, but where sin abounded, Abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through the righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God knew so much that He even said, Hey, death and life I've put before you. And He knew our tendencies to vacillate between the law, which brings to death and grace, which leads to life. That even followed it up with like saying, hey, death and life, like there's two options, but choose life. And so what are you gonna live out of? Are you gonna live in this sin conscious space? We're just always trying to earn God's love. I want you to see that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, wherever you go, whatever workplace, whatever work, whatever family, whatever life looks like for you at this point in time, that your identity 
is not something you could earn. It's a free gift. It's a position that Jesus has paid for. What does this mean, Matt? This means that you and I can stop being religious. We can stop being churchy old fogies. Just making up words now. And we can start being the kingdom of God in the world. We can stop being religious and basing our Christianity on these gatherings. And we can start being being the very force of heaven, the very force of Jesus, the gospel, the good news in the world. We can stand up for injustices. We can stand up for brokenness. We can reach out to lepers. We can can love the unlovable. We can be those. We can lay hands on the sick and see them recover. We can reach out our hand to those that are in poverty and help them. We can be the very hands and feet of Jesus. We can lay hands on the sick, on those addicted, on those demonized, on those possessed by the devil. And we have authority and it's not because we earned it. It's not because we're trying to work our way into that space. It's because the finished work of Jesus has changed our identity that we are not sinners anymore. We were never sinners in the first place. We are saints before God. We are the hagios, the holy. We are 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 holy. We have access to the Father. We are the righteousness of God. And I'm praying that you just get this in your spirit. That's all I'm praying. I'm praying you get that. We're going to wrap it up right now. The worship team are going to come up. They're going to worship for a few moments. And if you want to worship out of that position, out of that place, not earning, but out of that place of just being the righteousness of God, you want to connect with Him. If you need prayer, our prayer team, can you jump up prayer team now if that's right? Just come stand along the front here. We want to pray with you. We want to lead you in prayer. Parents, if you want to get your kids out of eKids, you can go and do that. That would be wonderful. Um, if you're visiting, we want to encourage you to um, fill out one of our forms online. There's a QR code that is going to go up on the screen at some point in time. Also want to let you know if you want to uh, give, you want to bring your tithes, give your offerings, you can do so. There is a giving table with FPOS or a little um, box there that you can give um, or you can jump online as well. Um, We would really encourage you if you're a part of our family to um, contribute in that way. That would be absolutely amazing. And um, But we're just going to pray and we're going to worship just for a few minutes to see what the Lord does. Just open up this place. I reckon right now what's happening in the Spirit is, is like there's an identity There's a fight for your identity right now. God wants to set you free, but it's going to happen when you enter into it by faith. So would you open up your heart? Let's stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And if you want to respond in any way, I don't mind which way that is. It might just be through the lifting of your hands. I don't know which way it will be. You might want to come up and get prayer. You're welcome to do that. You want to leave, go get a coffee. You're welcome to do that. There's no rules here, Um, but we just want to really thank you for being here today. But come on right now. Let's worship Him. Let's bless the name of Jesus. 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 And if you want prayer or you just want to respond in faith, just come fill this area. Let us pray with you this morning. Bless the name of Jesus. Bless the name of Jesus. Bless the name above all names.
Thank you for your glory. Thank you for your anointing. The glory.